Hi, I'm Sean Keenan. Welcome back to the Late Night Logic podcast. It is the Gooch end of the year between Christmas and New Year's. Today is December the 28th, 2021. And this is the most niche podcast I've done. So for all those people getting excited that there's a new podcast, excited that there's a new podcast out, don't be too excited because this one is the most niche one I've ever chosen to do. And basically, I just feel like talking about this because it's my favorite song of all time and there's a lot to break down to get into it. So for anyone who's interested in The Beatles... This is their most quirky style song, and I'm going to go into it in immense detail today. So if you feel like being bored out of your brain, mate, this could just be the one for you. So the song I'm reviewing for this, uh, for, for this podcast, episode, uh, episode 6, maybe episode 7, I can't remember, uh, in series 1, um, is uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, performed by The Beatles from their album Revolver, released in 1966. So this song um, came to me. So really, I've got to tell you the whole thing. I'm going to go into the background of it as well. So uh, it was 2014 and I was listening to Nights with Alice Cooper and he played Come Together by the Beatles. And I thought, yeah, this isn't a bad song. I remember hearing this when I first got to Townsville. A a friend of mine was a bit of a Beatles fan. And uh, I thought that that song was okay. It wasn't brilliant, but it was pretty good. And uh, it made me think, you know, there's a lot of bands I know a lot about, but the Beatles is one of those bands that I know nothing about. I know that they were a huge band, but what I don't know about their albums, their singles, I don't know how huge they were. Um, and to a certain extent, the Beatles are one of the coolest bands of all time. Not only were they one of the biggest, but they're also one of the trippiest and also one of the coolest. So I thought, you know what, it'd be cool to get to know them a little bit better. And uh, to... to their, their story is just about as interesting as anything. So, you know, you could leave out all the music and yet the storyline of their, of their biography is absolutely phenomenal. So just really, really quickly, you've got their early work, which is the, you can't see me, but just picture, I'm holding a guitar out, smile on my face, going, la, 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 la. That's their early work. Uh, you have their uh, revolutionary period from six, so that period sixty three sixty four the revolutionary period sixty five to sixty seven and the late period sixty eight to seventy um, uh, and in that revolutionary period uh, sixty five to sixty seven they had an album in there from nineteen sixty six called Revolver and it has the coolest album artwork I've ever seen in my life it's, st- it's still my favourite uh, cover album you know, um, cover art um, and I thought. Well, hang on. Before I got into that, I had to figure out where do you start? Where do you start when you're getting into the Beatles? So I watched a couple of small, small documentaries on them. I looked up all their albums and I know them all in order. And one of the documentaries had George Martin talking about Tomorrow Never Knows, said about uh, John Lennon really wanting to do something pushing the boundaries. See, the album before 1965's Rubber Soul was an album that was... It was the first great album sort of thing. Coming out in late 1965, um, it started off a little bit of a war with uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. And he heard that and he thought, absolutely phenomenal. I've got to create my own my own legendary album. And he released Pet Sounds, which was basically an answer to Rubber Soul. Now, at the same time he was recording Pet Sounds, Revolver came out. Now, this was one, an up and, you know, the one upping each other. And after Pet Sounds came out, um, 1967's Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club came out. And that just put Brian Wilson into a, 
like he pulled over by the side of the road the first time he heard it on the radio and he just thought it's i think it's already over they've they've achieved the perfection he said he cried during one of the songs um and uh but in the in between that was an album called revolver and uh this one is slowly marching on its way to becoming known as the beatles best album um, for me, uh, listening to it with modern ears, there's a number of songs that I think are pretty bland. And Your Bird Can Sing, Good Day Sunshine, oh my God. But there's a couple of other great songs in there that uh, really, you know, they really get the goose bumps going. Uh, Eleanor Rigby comes from this album, absolutely stunningly, stunning beauty. Even to this day, it's something that sounds um, really mournful and heartfelt. Um, but it's the last song on the album, Tomorrow Never Knows. So George Martin was talking about uh, this in a documentary, and he said he's a sex guy, and he is sexually active in the community. No, he actually said that... Um, well, I can't remember now. I'd have to watch it. But it was, it was like talking about how, this, how it came about. And it showed a small section of the song... And it had John Lennon singing in a really kind of Indian kind of vibe. Like you could really picture, just think of the 60s with that. The Simpsons doing the 60s. Think, think of that as kind of setting, you know, that kind of real colourful setting. And the Indian vibe of it. And someone singing in that way. Turn off your mind, relax and float downstream. And it really, I thought, hmm, that, that does actually sound good. So I listened to it and, my God. I, it was Song of the Year 2015. I would have played it thousands of times. It was really right up there. And today, I'm going to take you through why it's so significant musically. Um, and I might tell a little bit more of the background afterwards. So I'm going to, hang on, I really should tell a bit of background first. I'll do the background first, then we'll get into a bit more of the song. So the song Tomorrow Never Knows it's got, it's, it was a revolution. Basically, this is a song, an acid song. This is a drug song. This is probably the ultimate drug song. Um, it's a kaleidoscope of sounds. And yet, at the same time, I don't know, I mean, I showed it to a friend at work and he didn't think it was that crazy. You've got to hear it and you'll get, get what I mean. So uh, there's tape loops and this, this, there's sampling. This is the first example of that kind of stuff some of the tape loops i don't know how to describe this exactly it's basically where you get a tape and you record something bizarre on it and you can reverse it and then put the cut part of the tape connected to another part and loop it around so it'll play something over and over and basically what they've done for this is uh it's almost like a dj someone would have to click a button or raise a raise a bar and that music will come in and, uh, you know, you tune it in and tune it out. So this song has a lot of crazy sounds in it. So part of it is, um, you know, there's seagull sounds. There's a, a really DMT-sounding sound. Um, and the lyrics have to do with... Um, it's based on Timothy Leary's Book of the Dead, which is a Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is a, um, a Buddhist way of thinking of life. So that's what the lyrics echo. And... John Lennon said that he wanted to get uh, a bunch of monks, you know, I want it to sound like I'm on top of the Himalayas with monks chanting. And they didn't know how to really do that. So what they've done is they've uh, put his voice through a Leslie speaker. Same thing can happen when you, you know, when you've got a fan on and you talk into it and it sounds weird. Well, that's kind of what they've done. So, um, 
yeah, there's a lot of strange sounds in it, and I'm going to go through the whole thing with you very slowly before playing the song right at the end. Oh, no, 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 play the song first, and then we'll go back through it. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, this is the trippiest Beatles song. This was the last song on the album Revolver, first recorded, but they thought, no, this has to end it. This is bizarre. Backwards guitar solos, mate. It's something else. Ladies and gentlemen, Tomorrow Never Knows. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was Tomorrow Never Knows, performed by The Beatles. And you might be thinking to yourself, my God, what the hell was that shit, Sean? <laughs> and, you know, that's fair enough, I guess. If you're really attuned to modern songs, then that song ain't going to go down well. I remember showing uh, another kid at work a few years back, and he just, he came to me the next day, he laughed. He said, oh, yeah, listen to it with my girlfriend. I thought, what the fuck's this shit? Mate, he's an idiot. That song is truly revolutionary. Now, you might not quite have heard why, but I'm going to go into it. So, 
there was a lot going on in that song, and I was dying to say a few of things in that song. So, first off, let's go through it, okay? So, this is what it sounds like to begin with. So, we've got an Indian tambora going over. That's basically just a... The whole song is in C. There is no change. It's all ding 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 ding, and the only change in the song comes from the 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 lyrics going up and down, sort of thing, and that's basically the tune. So you got to get used to that, and it does sound like almost like a kind of a commune kind of gather around. Turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. It is not dying. It is not dying. And you can certainly hear in the second verse, uh, well, not the second verse, the second part of the song, that the se- the second vocal that comes in over John Lennon's vocals through the Leslie speaker, ying, it really gives has this kind of otherworldly kind of sound. Otherworldly, I might be using that word a few more times. So that's how we started off. So let's continue. So that part there sounds like seagulls. It's been just think of audience people listening to that in 1966. So what that is the the, the seagull sounds uh, is a tape loop of Paul McCartney laughing. And then it's sped up. There's a great, there's a couple of good YouTube clips that show the tape loops off. And uh, when you slow it down or make it, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's what it actually kind of sounds like. So there's our intro. And the drums, the relentless drums. It's a very simple thing, but it's a. Mate, brilliant. So what we've heard there is the first verse, and in it, I really need to stress this, this is the thing that makes the song for me. In the background of the, it is not dying, it is not dying, a, I can't remember what it's called, but a, um, uh, a Mellotron, maybe, Mellotron, I don't know if you call it a synthesizer, comes in and makes the, It makes you feel like, when I'm listening to this song, I feel like I'm floating on clouds. And that continues through almost all the verses, but we'll get to that. So it's that, um, I, I want to say G note, but I don't know what it is. I'd have to look it up. But it's that which really makes the song. And that goes throughout most of the verses. Also, we're hearing some uh, what sound like almost violins in the background. Um, I can't remember what that is. If that's slow, again, another tape loop. If that's slowed down, that becomes a uh, mate. I might have to actually find it on YouTube what that actually is. But it's something clearly. I don't know a guitar or a violin. It's not a violin. It's a guitar sped up somehow. Again, that beautiful. He's going in the background as well. There's also a couple other loops I forgot to mention at the end of the first one. There's a... 
right at the end. Actually, mate, let's let's hear that. We, we do have to kind of hear that, mate. You hear it right at the end here. You can hear that? Just adds to the song. For me, I, I love hearing that, particularly in the instrumental part as well. Now, note that it happens for the first... It go, The background Mellotron does go for this part, but it cuts out. Cuts out. And I like it how it might leave it to finish in your mind. But I do like, I don't know, this is why music is so interesting to me. How you can do something and it's very difficult to put into words why that works. So I like the fact that they've gone, cuts. It, I don't know, it just works. Right, now we get into the bizarre part of the song. What I love about this is how... Imagine hearing this in 1966. I mean, it still sounds bizarre now. This is one of the tape loops reversed and sped up, I think. Something like that. But I'll find it a little bit later. But imagine hearing this for the first time. You hear the... And then finish it off with... And then I loved some description uh, on the internet somewhere that was talking about um, then the guitar solo kicks in. Now, this is a reverse guitar solo. When it's played, I mean, someone's played it and then they reversed it and it sounds like like a guitar entering into, into our dimension just briefly. And it sounds brilliant. But, mate, there's so much more going on. In the background as well, there's... Oh, mate, I'm just going to have to sing it. There's a... There's the... Okay, hang on. So, 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 so. Calm down, Sean. Slow it down. So, that Mellotron note that I love so much doesn't come back here. But occasionally that Mellotron is added by an orchestral note. Now, this is... This is the example of sampling that I was talking about earlier. They've picked a... Uh, oh, fuck. I should have done some research before. They've picked a, uh, a guy who did a symphony back in the 19, uh, 20th century, early 20th century. And they've lifted a note from that and they've added it to the Mellotron. You can hear that clearly in the first, the very first verse. It's not just a... There's a... That comes into it. Now, they bring that back for this second part of this guitar solo, for this, this solo here. This guitar solo has a, a, a sort of, anyway, I'm just gonna play it. I can get goosebumps listening to that. I love driving my car blaring that loud and I like to... I don't know. what It sounds great, mate. I'm going to have to play it again. Just this orchestral part. Mm, not quite there. Just back a little bit further. About there. Interdimensional guitar solo. 
So, um, yeah, inter-guitar, inter-dimensional guitar solo, uh, symphony sample, uh, the seagull sample's in there, and the is in there too. And, uh, I mean, it sounds complex, but when you're listening to it and enjoying it, you don't really notice that. It's not really that complex, man, but... Uh, it just adds, mate. It adds to it. And this is what really finally made me think that the Beatles are geniuses. This is why. They just almost got this fucking perfect, this song. Anyway, now we get into the second part of the song. Now, what's going to happen is John Lennon's vocals are going to be distorted because they're being put through a Leslie speaker. And um, the uh, the Mellotron doesn't come back for this. So I remember when I first started liking this song, I was ready for the... part. Part and uh, it didn't come, so that's part of the genius of this song. It doesn't come back in this first one, it very slowly comes back in the next verse, and then it comes back full ball in the next verse. So, um, also, mate, there's another I was doing some research on this song, and there's a little sound at the exact halfway point of this song, and uh, and love is all you can just hear it if you pay attention. And um, it happens at the halfway mark of the song. And it's almost, they, they compared it to something like a telephone. In the old telephones, they used to do a beep noise or something like that. And that's, they said that they've added that into the song to indicate the halfway point of the song. I'm not sure. In any case, it's an interesting ad. I like it. Let's hear this first. Yeah, I heard it. I don't know if you did. I'm not going back. I'm not doing it again. But it, and love is on board. It's it's almost more like guitar distortion or a, getting too close to a to um, the, the speaker or something like that. Anyway, so we didn't hear the uh, the Mellotron coming back in that one. But I love it how it just really quietly creeps back in. It's sort of and then brilliant, mate. Yeah, it's actually pretty difficult to hear from this if you're listening to it on that. I really encourage you to listen to that part by yourself, as if you're going to. Um, but that it's that slow creeping up. It's like a, I don't know how to put this. Imagine being in a pool and you push down on the water, push your water, and like bubbles come up. It feels like that. It feels like bubbles coming up and like going all over you, very sprightly. Feels great. Um, and so I could hear it. Uh, it's, it's, that's what it feels like, that coming back into that, into that verse. And then in this verse, the, it comes back full ball. Now we get into the last verse of the song. Um, and this, I, I love the idea of being back in the 60s, imagine hearing this on the radio and just hearing Lennon just repeat the words over and over, of the beginning, in that distorted way, of the beginning, 
and in the background, like a kitten purring almost, as the Mellotron just goes back and forth. Um, there's also the orchestral sample actually comes back in very briefly for one part. And it's only just, and it just adds to that, that as it concludes. It's very, it's a bit difficult to describe talking about, but anyway, here we go. Here's the orchestra. Ready? Oof, yeah. Might just try and catch that last bit again. No. I'm going to say where it comes in. Listen when I say. Now, that just adds so much to it, mate. So, last but not least about that song, right at the end... Uh, how are they going to end the song? And, I mean, obviously you're just going to go, of the beginning, of the beginning. And they've left it nicely. You had to go... But leave it on that note. Don't go back down. Leave them on that hanging note. Beautiful, mate. I mean, if you did one more note, the, the downward part of that wouldn't have worked. You need to end it on that high bit, almost wanting the listener to want more of it. Now, as soon as the song cuts out, there's a really... I really should find this. I actually might. I've got plenty of time. Um, there's a part... Oh, I'm going to type in Tomorrow Never Knows Explains. And it describes the end part of this song really, really well. Tomorrow Never Knows Explained. Let's just see what, what we come up with here. He's a sexy guy. And he is actually active in the community. Song meanings, BDC, history and psychedelic experience. I doubt it would be that. Pinwheel, that's what I've got to type in. Uh, he describes a pinwheel. Pinwheel. Analysis explained. Pin Must include pinwheel. Pinwheel, pinwheel. Yeah, okay. No, I don't think I'm going to find it. <sighs> it's a goddamn shame. There ain't a goddamn thing anybody can do about it. No. Okay, right. Forget that. I'll find it another time and uh, I won't do another podcast, let's be honest. Um, so, um, describes the song as basically disintegrating into nothingness. Think of a DMT trip as it... Well, who's tried DMT? Uh, think of a dream and it slowly just falls apart sort of thing. It's like it disintegrates into nothing. A DMT trip just ends sort of thing. It's like it just dissolves into nothing. It's very difficult to sort of remember all the details of it. If you've ever listened to the Joe Rogan podcast, 
my rival, you'll notice that um, he describes it like a dream, like you can't really latch hold of anything. And, so, and, and we've all experienced it. So you would try and remember the dream. We can't remember all the details and whatever. So I like the idea that Tomorrow Never Knows sort of disintegrates. And for a moment, like a pinwheel, like the pinwheel slows down slow enough, you can see all the, the parts that's going on in the background suddenly. The pinwheel's slowly slowing down. And now we can see through that pinwheel and we can see the mechanical parts. And the, the thing that I read goes on to describe... Um, it says that, you know, was that piano there that whole time throughout the song? Well, to be truthful, if you listen to the instrumental version of the song without any vocals, no, it kicks in at the end. What happened was it was recorded, when they were recording the song, they recorded it over something of Paul McCartney doing a piano part. And they said, that actually sounds really cool. And I do like it. Like the first time I heard that song, it sounds like a carnival atmosphere style thing. That piano right at the end it gives me goosebumps. I love how that song ends. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much it. So back to the uh, thing, and let's hear that ending just one last time and the, uh, the little piano parts going on in the background. Mate, it's truly hypnotic. Now, I doubt whether I've really done a lot to make you want to hear this song but it is one of my all-time favourites. Tomorrow Never Knows, the Beatles from the album Revolver, mate. It's worth listening to a few times. There's a lot of elements going on in there. It's goosebump-inducing. Look at the cover while you're listening to the song. Brilliant. I've been Sean Keenan. You've been listening to the Late Night Lodge podcast, and I will see you sometime in the future. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.